Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, you keep asking questions about the backdoor Roth IRA, so join Big Al, keep answering. This week, your questions are about the mega backdoor Roth IRA and how to create retirement income for the gap between retiring at 66 and taking Social Security at 70 and RMDs at 72. We've also got a question on the taxation of an overseas inheritance, as well as your comments. Do us a favor, click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes. Click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner and send in your questions about social security benefits, portfolio diversification, asset location, estate planning, how much you can spend in retirement, anything money related. In the meantime, backdoor Roths it is. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. All right, Michael from Sioux Falls, because you guys rock. Uh, greetings from South Dakota. While retirement looming, I decided to start listening to podcasts over the past year, and I've listened to many before going to my favorite, YMYW. Well, thank you very much, Michael from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm 63, married, wife 61, and plan on retiring in about three years. Over the past three years, I've been a government employee, thus have the TSP. And by the time of retirement, it should be about $250,000 plus, saving about $40,000 a year. Up until now, I've been accumulating, um, after listening to many, have come to the decision to wait until RMD at age 72 to take my Social Security benefits. Thus, I realized that I need income for the gap years. Our only debt is our home of $125,000. Annual combined income is $250,000, and we have $65K in cash. All of our other retirement income is in an IRA, $1.6 million, and my wife has a Roth IRA of $200,000. This year, I did a Roth conversion for my wife of $100,000, which pushes us up towards the higher end of the 24% tax bracket. My tentative plans are to continue to push the 24% tax bracket at least through 2025, which would then uh, be my IRA for extra tax, $24,000 annually. Okay. I'm also trying to accumulate some cash along the way. I have also considered using my TSP money for gap income. Any ideas for Roth conversions or creating the income for the gap years? Should I siphon gas for a part-time job in retirement? Remember that? Whack job? Yeah. Somebody has he, been listening. He had, yeah, that was, what episode was that? I don't know. A long time ago. ago. He's like, yeah, I get free gas. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, my, my wife will provide some income, $1,000 a month, uh, when I hit retirement, but I will be jobless. Uh, feel, feel free to stop by. We always have some Coors Lights and other liquid delights in the fridge. See, you know you love a Midwestern. <laughs> South Dakota it's got a nice little Coors Latte in the probably, fridge. Probably got a refridge in the garage. Just Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah Without right. question, that thing is full <laughs> of beer. And a pool table. Uh, I don't know about a pool table. We call yeah, it the yeah. Minnesota room, you know, so we would, I mean, every party you ever have is in the garage. Yeah, the, I, I do. Know, there's one person I know in San Diego that has a refrigerator in their garage besides you, Joe. And, and, <laughs> who you, you don't have a refrigerator in your garage? No, my brother, Todd, he's got one, too. And it's always filled with beer. I mean, if you don't have a fridge in your garage, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> I parked both my cars in the garage, can't fit a fridge. I don't think I, I, I don't know. I think that's a deal breaker for me, Al. <laughs> Well, I didn't, I wasn't proposing to you. 
So it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the first thing I look at. If I go to, you know, someone <laughs> new's house, I, I go to the garage, look for the beer fridge. Got it. Um, but yeah, I have a I have a refrigerator in my garage full of beer. So yeah, you can stop by any time. I've been in it. <laughs> yes, and I know you have. I, it's I, a walk-in fridge, apparently. There's there's <laughs> there's plenty of Coors Light. I do remember that. Uh, well, M- Michael, we're missing. Th- thank you very much for all the information. Appreciate you you, you being part of the YMYW family. Um, but Al, we're kind of missing a key component here in figuring out his dilemma. Uh, well, but I don't know what what he's what he's spending. That's the yeah, problem. We're, we're missing some facts, but I, I'll give a general answer here, right? Which, which is, I like the idea of of, of converting into the twenty four percent bracket. That 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 makes sense in many cases. Um, you know, I don't know enough, uh, Michael, about your situation to know if that's a great idea or not. But I like the idea of getting a lot of money to the Roth because you got a lot of money in the IRA and TSP. Uh, continue doing that when you retire. Pull money out of your IRA or TSP to live, right? And then still convert up into whatever tax bracket makes sense for you. You can still convert even though you're pulling money out for living. And then at age 70, you got Social Security, 72, RMD. So, yeah, I think the, the concept's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay, so he's 63. He's going to retire at 66. So yeah. the gap year, 66 to age 70. He's yep. not, right, RMD start at 72. So he's got four years of a gap year. And he's got sixty-five thousand bucks in cash and one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars remaining in debt, so the debt is pretty low. Um, but he doesn't have a lot of non-qualified assets because everything's in a retirement account. It's jam-packed, you know, a couple million bucks at retirement plus another few hundred thousand in Roth. He's like, all right, well, here I want to do some conversions. I'm going to have a, a couple of extra bucks, but what's the gap years? We don't know, right? I mean, how much money is he spending? If it's fifty thousand versus two hundred thousand, I mean, that those are two different numbers that our advice might be a little bit different right right, right. but um, i mean the the, the concept but the concept you know, the, the concept's solid uh, i'm with yeah, you. yeah right right but but one thing too michael it's like well uh, if you're going to convert in the 24 just go to the top of the 24 it's a giant bracket i don't know why you wouldn't just convert to the top of it it's like yeah we're converting into some of it well, if you're going to pay 24% tax and if tax rates are going to go up and you believe that, you've got $2 million in a retirement account, why not maximize the bracket? Yeah, but but he's only got 65000 cash, so he's got to pay the tax somehow too. But he makes $200,000 a year. He lives <laughs> in South Dakota. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're saying there's some extra there? I don't know, unless there's that, that beer fridge is like jammed. <laughs> it's loaded. <laughs> it's just loaded. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to go to South Dakota for sure. Larry from Simi Valley, California. Dear Alan Joe, I've been listening to your podcast and been totally enthralled with some of the insights on your Roth IRAs. Totally enthralled, Al. Yeah. Just totally into it. I'm not sure I would describe our discussions in that manner, but I appreciate it, Larry. It's the beer fridges that do it. If I ever have to talk about a Roth IRA ever again, I... Slit my wrist. Just go to your beer fridge. You'll be fine. <laughs> Take uh, one before the show. Yeah, I might have to move it forward. Um, <laughs> what about last week? That guy's like, "Here, I'm going to switch it up so you guys don't have to talk about a backdoor Roth." And his question was, the answer was exactly Back, backdoor that. Roth. Backdoor yeah. Roth. <laughs> it's like, how do we not talk about it? That was your question. <laughs> um, I've made many poor choices along the way, and I'm seeking your sage advice. Uh, See, I learned that word sage advice from the show, too. 
You did? Yes, because I had to read it, and I didn't know what it meant at first. And then I realized that we give really good advice. (laughs) According to who? You? (laughs) According to Larry from Simi Valley. Uh, So he writes on, he goes, I'm in the 24% tax bracket and have just opened up a backdoor Roth conversion. Imagine that. Here we go. Here we go. Um, He's 58 years old. I believe in prior podcasts, you stated that the maximum you can put in a mega conversion backdoor Roth is 30 or 63K. Should we pause there? Yeah. Um, A mega conversion backdoor. We like to call that the garage door. (laughs) So to qualify for for the barn door, um, you need to have a a certain type of retirement account, right? So so can you explain the the, the defined contribution limitations, Alan? Yeah, sure. If you're like, let's just start with a 401k because that's what most people have. It could apply to 403b and others, but 401k, if you are under 50, that's uh, $57,000. That's the maximum that can go into the 401k. And that includes your contributions and your employer match and your employer's profit sharing contribution if they make one, right? Now, there's a fourth thing. Some plans allow you to, if you, if you don't get to that 57000 you can put your own money in af- uh, pre-tax. In other words, there, there's no tax deduction, but you get the money in pre-tax, and that's that's what makes this mega backdoor Roth. Well, How we get that, to the, isn't that called after-tax? Sorry, after-tax. You're right. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to myself today. <laughs> after-tax. Um, anyway, so you put after, in other words, you pay taxes on it, so it's after-tax, right? You get yes. that into the into the 401k. Now, if you're 50 and older, you can do another $6,500. So it's actually 63500 Now, here's the benefit. The benefit is if your employer at the plan allows you to do in-service withdrawals, and which usually they do when you're 59 and a half, then you can take that after-tax money in your 401k and transfer it or convert it is the word to a Roth IRA. And because you didn't, you've already paid tax on that, there's no additional tax to pay. So it's kind of like making a giant Roth conversion, like a garage door back, door. back, what do I, back, back door. door. Right, yeah. because the back door Roth is, you take an after-tax IRA contribution, let's call it $7,000, Larry's over 50. There's basis in the IRA because he didn't take the tax deduction, it's after-tax, and then he converts that into a Roth IRA. There is no tax due because he's already paid tax on the money. You have to look at the pro rata rules and the aggregation rules um, that I'm not going to get into. The mega conversion backdoor Roth, as Larry puts it, um, as I like to to call it, the the, the barn door. Um, that's when you, you you utilize the full defined contribution limits, but it's not available to everyone. So you have to have the plan that allows after tax contributions to do it. So even though he's saying, hey, I listened to a previous episode and you were talking about that you could put in the 63500 right, and then convert it, well, the plan needs to allow after-tax dollars. So just make sure, Larry, uh, that you can do this mega conversion backdoor because people then kind of get confused. So um, – he goes, this includes your full limit of your traditional IRA, company match, company profit sharing, et cetera, and the difference or delta can be added in an 
after-tax account that rolled and converted into a Roth not to exceed 63000 So he's kind of on point. He gets the rules, right? Well, except for, except for one thing. Your it's not a traditional IRA. IRA. Yeah, the yeah. traditional would be an, an additional $7,000 in his case. Yeah, so take that out. It's the employee match, the profit sharing, and your contribution that make this up. Yeah, make up the sixty three thousand five hundred. Your additional seven thousand would be added on top of that, so that's seventy thousand. So Correct. here's the question: He's going after watching your show tonight on tax loss harvesting. Can I take like one fourth or one third of my traditional IRA tax deferred, pay the taxes on it now, and convert it to a Roth IRA in twenty twenty? Then if it and puts me in the thirty five percent tax bracket, um, but will be tax free moving forward. What is the maximum I can do to take advantage of the lower tax rates now in 2020 before excessive taxation in years to come? Thank you very much for your thoughts. Uh, did, did you get the question now? <laughs> I think he wants to do a large Roth conversion and and the and from his traditional IRA. And, and the answer is there's no limit. You could convert the entire thing if you want to. What we caution people is to watch your tax bracket. We, we think 35% is a pretty high tax bracket got to add your state tax to that. I probably wouldn't go that high. I'd, I'd come up with a better strategy, which would be convert some this year, some next year, some the year after, and so forth. We do know that we have until 2025 with these lower tax rates, and maybe they'll stick after that. Maybe not. We, you know, we, we just don't know. So the first question is on the mega backdoor Roth. Of, hey, I want to do the $63,000. So I'm confused if he, it, it sounds like he knows the rules, but then he kind of Ask me questions that make me wonder if he truly knows the rules. Well, the, the tax, I think he means tax loss harvesting. It could be tax gain harvesting, but that um, that has nothing to do with a Roth conversion. That's a, That would be a, if it's tax loss harvesting, it would be a capital loss to go against capital gains. God, is someone like mowing the lawn? I think so. Is, is it, uh, is that, it sounded you, like music had started playing. Right. I mean, you got a ukulele kind of playing outside your window in Hawaii there, Al? It's uh, our, our gardeners. They're they're full. They work 24-7. <laughs> they don't stop. Got yeah, it. They, they, they keep going. So we got, yeah, so tax-lost harvesting is something completely different when, with the conversion. Tax-lost harvesting is something you do in a brokerage account that is outside of a retirement account. So when the market goes down and you have a loss in that particular security, you could sell it, buy something similar, take the loss, hold it on your tax return, and then you can offset that loss with future gains. Uh, but that loss that you have, let's say if you're harvesting, can offset a Roth conversion. So if you have a large loss in a brokerage account, that loss will not offset ordinary income. It will offset ordinary income up to $3,000, but that's it. Uh, the benefit of tax loss harvesting is, is is offsetting the larger losses in the brokerage account against larger gains in the brokerage account later on, um, or in another security or a, another capital asset. So, but yeah, there is no limit on a conversion, so you can convert as much as you want. So it's not tied to the sixty three thousand or seven thousand. People might get confused too of the backdoor. Everyone's like backdoor crazy here. I mean, I've, you started it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Anyway, yeah, those are those are two different concepts, and and so and I love that gardener. That's pretty good. He must be doing some really good work right outside. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So the, just to repeat uh, what I said last segment, the Roth conversion. There's no limit. You can do any amount that you want to convert, any age, working or not. That doesn't really matter. You just have to have money in an IRA or a 401k. 
what should be your limiting factors, your tax bracket. So you look at your tax bracket now versus in the future and you, and you make an intelligent choice. Usually it doesn't make sense to convert a big amount and put yourself in a giant tax bracket all at once. It usually makes more sense to do it slowly over time. Got it. All right. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, Larry, if you have any follow-up questions, uh, you know where to find us. Don't skip ahead. We've got a very special offer for you this week. By the way, previous Backdoor Roth episodes are linked in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. So check them out along with our other free resources like this one. You've heard the ever insightful Brian Perry, CFP, CFA on Your Money, Your Wealth many times before. You know, he's the executive vice president and director of research here at Pure Financial Advisors. Well, Brian has a brand new book out called Ignore the Hype, Financial Strategies Beyond the Media driven mayhem. And this is your opportunity to receive a hard copy for free. Suited to the everyday investor, Ignore the Hype will teach you how to keep your focus squarely on time-tested strategies for meeting your financial goals without getting distracted by the constant barrage of news headlines. Learn the difference between short-term trading and long-term investing, how to filter the constant onslaught of information coming your way from every angle, and separate the valuable content from the noise. Plus, how to build a foundation for investment success based on common sense and academic research. Our stock of this book is limited, and it's only available on a first-come, first-served basis. So click the special offer button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com right now to request your copy. If the special offer doesn't say ignore the hype, you've waited too long and we've sold out. So click special offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com now. Uh, Ed from Las Vegas, Nevada. He writes in, Al, he's like, hi, Joe, Al and Andy. Uh, thank you for providing us with your great podcast. You're both informative and hilarious. Hilarious, Alan. Two questions. Say, I, I like it. So, not it's not just you that's hilarious. I, I get some too, even yes. as a straight man. You got it. I can't believe this. There's another backdoor <laughs> strategy. Mega after backdoor. We said, after we said we were never talking about it again. Two questions regarding the mega backdoor Roth strategy, if I may. Thank you. No, you may not, Ed. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Okay, um, this is the last mega backdoor, I swear. You said that last week. Well, stop printing this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> just reply back saying we're done with the mega backdoor. Um, just, my, yeah, just tell them, ask another question. Yeah, just listen to the pot. Just listen to any other episode. I'm sure that your your question will be answered. So they're, you know what they're going to do, though? They're going to rewrite the question that says garage door Roth. Yeah, there you go. Mega. Got it. Or barn door. For- and fly under the radar. Uh, my wife, age 61, is in the process of exercising the mega backdoor Roth strategy, whereby she makes after-tax contributions to her Fidelity 401k at work, with plans to later roll those contributions basis into a Roth IRA at Vanguard. We have researched her plan and are confident her 401k supports the strategy. Her company also has 401k matching contribution and makes a pension contribution for her each pay period. We are under the impression that the sum of the four contributions, 401k pre-tax, company match, after-tax contributions in company pension cannot exceed 63.5, not 57,000 because she is over the age of 50. Can you clarify, is this the correct amount? Yes, it is 63,500, Ed. Secondly, 
she started the after-tax contributions to the 401k in August of 2020 and will have about $15,000 from the source by 2020 year-end. She will also have about $150,000 in the pre-tax area of a 401k before year-end. Do you think she should execute the rollover in January 2021 or perhaps continue the strategy through 2021 and execute in 2022? She plans to retire in 2024. Thank you very much for your time. Again, we love the podcast. Oh, we love Ed and his lovely wife are just jamming out to us. Right. It's like a family affair, Al. Um, So, no, move the after tax as soon as you can into the Roth because you want the compounding to take place in the Roth IRA versus the 401k. Yeah, if if it if you keep in the four hundred one k, all the growth is taxable. Once you get into the Roth, that any future growth is non taxable. And I think maybe part of the confusion is you, you you don't just have to do one in service withdrawal. Typically, you can do as many as you want. I mean, there might be some limitations based upon your plan, but we've seen people do them every single year. So do it as soon as you can, and then do another one next year with whatever's um, accumulated. Uh, well, I've seen it where you could do it per pay period. Per pay period. There yeah. You go. So, right, you're, you're putting in your after-tax money in the pay period, and then you're taking it right back out that pay period and put it into the Roth IRA. So the faster you get the money, the after-tax component of this strategy into the Roth, uh, the better, just because then you get the compounding effect. So I, I think Ed's thinking, all right, well, here, you know, we're going to get about $15,000 of after-tax this year, maybe a little bit more next year. Should we just do the in-service next year because we have a larger amount to do the conversion? Um, and I understand the thought process, but no, yeah, I, I would get the money into the Roth IRA as, as soon um, as you possibly can. So very cool, very good strategy that they're doing. Um, and hopefully this will be the end of the mega backdoor. <laughs> This will be the death of well, Megabeck. Before we have the death, I, I'll bring up one other thought, and that is this does tend to work better when you are older, when you're over age 59 and a half, because you can get the, the after-tax money into the 401k, and then you can do an in-service withdrawal generally, immediately, or, or within the year. Yeah, but if I've you, seen plans under 59 and a half that will allow you to take the after-tax components out no matter what age. Yeah. So an in-service in withdrawal of pre-tax dollars, usually you have to be 59 and a half or it has to be other dollars that were rolled in from another plan. So let's say I worked at American Express Financial Advisors. I had a 401k there and I rolled that money into our plan here, Pure Financial Advisors. You know, it's $100,000. I'm 45 years old. I could take that $100,000 back out of this plan, even though I'm not 59 and a half just because it was other dollars that were rolled in. Sometimes I've seen company match um, no matter what age. So it's all up to the plan document. Um, so that's why it's so important to make sure that you know what questions to ask when you're talking to HR. And I think with Ed, he's like, yes, we are confident. We've talked to the Fidelity 401k reps and we can do this strategy. Uh, but the problem with the mega backdoor is that there's, there's you, you need to have a fairly large plan. Because there's testing that happens, right? Uh, for They don't want highly compensated individuals to take advantage of it while the rank and file do, that don't even save into the plan, right? So there's, there's testing that goes on in some of these plans. So the larger the company, the likelihood of you are able to utilize this strategy is probably a lot higher than, you know, a small company like ours. 
Yeah, and that makes sense. And we, we tried to see if our plan had it and our payroll company that also services our 401k had never heard of it. And I, <laughs> I got on a long phone call uh, with supervisor and all kinds, and they still never heard of it. It was so, so we, it was so annoying. We finally gave up. Yeah, I mean, we could just take over the plan ourselves. I suppose we're in we, the business of doing it, um, yeah. but we we chose. Well, the, we're 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 helping our clients. We're, <laughs> we, they don't have any time. It's like the like the cobblers. The cobblers' the kids' shoe, shoes, shoes go shoeless. The, shoe, the shoemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh, she, she, the cobbler's kids are shoeless. Right? Isn't that how it, how it goes? I think like so. That. I was questioning what a cobbler is. The cobbler's a shoemaker. <laughs> okay. Yes. Perfect. Um, uh, Raul uh, emailed Andy. He goes, Hello, Andy. My name is Raul. I listen to Your Money, Your Wealth podcast every week. I have a few questions that I would like to ask Big Joe, uh, Big Al and Joe. So here it goes. You ready for this, Al? I'm ready. Here it goes. Oh, wait, this looks complicated. I know. <laughs> Hello, Big Al and Joe. Love your podcast. Uh, the content you guys put out every week is very informative. A little background about me. Uh, would like your help answering a question more accurately. Uh, so Raul's 32 and married. My wife and I both work. Uh, our household income is $110,000. I'm from India. I recently acquired U.S. citizenship. My parents are still living in India and are Indian citizens. My father is planning to sell um, our ancestral property. Pretty close? <laughs> yeah, that's very close. Okay. Not, not right. perfect, but close. Okay, very good. Um, uh, property, and by doing so, would be getting close to half a million dollars. Uh, converting Indian rupees to dollars with current rate. Uh, do the sale of the property. Considering he has paid all the taxes in India, what would be the best way to bring that money to the U.S. without inviting more taxes? So he's got a few options, Al. Do you want to throw a stab before I, uh, I tell you Raul's great ideas, or do you want to? <laughs> well, I think he's got the question, so why don't you read question one? All right. Well, I will I be taxed if I inherit the money? Uh, the answer there is is generally no. Right. Um, but if it's coming over from India, then you got all sorts of kind of weird stuff um, that 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 happens. But it's well, yeah, it's just yeah. the exchange rate is really kind of the biggest thing of in who's going to do it and what bank is going to exchange it and how the money is going to get classified when it comes over. Um, yeah, and and so a couple things of note there, Joe, and and I will preface this by saying I'm not an international tax expert. I just went to Google. <laughs> <laughs> They're international um, tax experts, <laughs> according to Google. <laughs> so uh, if if you're not a blood relative, now he is a blood relative, but I'll just start there. If you're not a blood relative, then you can transfer about fifty thousand rupees a year which I checked it out, that's about $700. It's not very much. And anything above that $700 is ordinary income. So that's not a good solution. Wow. But it doesn't say anything about blood relatives. So my, my sense is it's not taxable, but I don't know that for sure. That's my sense. Uh, the other thing I found is that you're allowed to send $250,000 per year 
on an annual basis between April and March. Um, so there, there's that rule. However, it seems like there's exceptions, Joe, and I'm not an expert at that. So the, my, my best advice is to probably go to a CPA firm that has international tax experts on staff, and they can help you explicitly. But that's what I found. That's what Google told me. All right. Very good. Uh, we should hire Google. Um, <laughs> it's pretty smart. I will be sponsoring my parents uh, to get their green card permanent residency next year. Would it make sense for my parents to open an account here in the U.S. after obtaining their green card and then transferring the money to their own account? What kind of account do you recommend for them to open? An IRA? Any possibilities of a Roth conversion? I mean, everyone just wants to convert, don't they? <laughs> they do. It's yeah. the Roth show, right? Jeez, it's awful. I appreciate all your help, uh, guys. Uh, that you can offer me. Thank you, Andy, Big Allen, Joe. You guys are awesome. Um, hope my question gets featured on your podcast, waiting eagerly for your response. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Just jamming in a Roth, 500 grand. Well, the first, yeah, the first, <laughs> the first Don't question. Do that, <laughs> no. Would, would it make sense for my parents to open an account here in the U.S. after obtaining their green card and transferring the money to their own account? Uh, maybe. Ask that same person. Ask the ask the international tax expert at a CPA firm, uh, not not Joe and I. <laughs> and then, <Yeah. laughs> what 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 kind what kind of account should I open? Uh, you open a, a savings account. It's a brokerage, yeah, bro account. brokerage account, savings account. You're not allowed to put the money into an IRA or a Roth. Uh, you have to have earned income, and there's all kinds of rules. So it just goes into a brokerage account, a non-retirement account, or a savings account, or a CD, non-retirement type of account. All right. Thanks, Raul. Uh, I guess he's saying thanks for nothing uh, to us. So, um, <laughs> so. The next installment of the Decision 2020, Your Vote and Your Money blog series is now out. In the first installment, Pure Financial's Director of Research, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, examined the race for the White House, as well as where the candidates stand on some important economic issues. In part two, Brian focused on the legislature and took a closer look at the House and Senate races, while in part three, he evaluated the historical record to see if elections even matter to the markets. This time, Brian discusses the question, are your taxes heading higher? And what steps can you take to lower your future taxes? Read all four blog posts right now in the podcast show notes and be sure you're subscribed to the YMYW newsletter. You'll get updates when Brian publishes the next installment on building an election-proof portfolio. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes, read the podcast transcript, access Brian's latest blog post, subscribe to the newsletter, and send in your money questions and comments. What is this? We have some comments here. Yes, you had a comment about the fire YMYW episode. Really? Jose was definitely in fuego in this episode. Very well done. There you go. You got a new name, Jose. All right. Very, very. Jose. No way, Jose. <laughs> um, and of course, he doesn't want to retire. He's El Presidente of Pure Financial, golfing at the best courses and dating mostly attractive, low self-esteem ladies along the way. Did you say something about that on the TV show, Joe? That I date unattractive women? That I'm no, attract mostly attractive, low self-esteem women. Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't believe I did. Wow, I don't. I don't recall that either. But uh, yeah, mostly attractive. Does that mean sometimes they're kind of? I would marginal? say. I would say highly attractive. <laughs> highly attractive, and yes, I do try to play some of the best courses. Um, 
Yeah, I would say I've I've met some of your ladies. They're they all they're all very high self-esteem ladies. They are very high self, very and, successful, and, and and attractive. Thank you very much, Al. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm living my life vicariously through you because I've been married for 32 years. <laughs> he lives his life vicariously through you, Al. Come on now. Yes. He, he wants to be in Hawaii for how long have I been here? I don't know. You've been here um, a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, almost like a month that? and a half. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. Kevin, he writes in, hi, Joe and Al. Just wanted to say um, that I'm in my 30s and get more laughs out of your radio show than I do with Joe Rogan. That's BS. There's no possible way. Uh, Kevin, I feel bad for you. You guys are awesome, and I don't support you changing the name of the show to the Backdoor Roth Show. Keep up the good work. I've been a loyal podcast listener for some time. Well, that was a very nice comment. Thank you for uh, your thoughts. Um, Joe Rogan, that's that's pretty impressive. I'm a big yeah, fan of Joe yeah. Rogan. So, so I guess you and I, probably you, you're, you're just as funny, if not funnier. Oh. And that is the top-rated podcast, like, of all time. Just coming I, from you, Al. I mean, well, because keep, I'm, keep, keep up with my tires. Because, because <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a straight man, so it's got to be you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Derail's coming up, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 for your free financial assessment. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Let's go to Michael. He, he writes in from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I don't know if we've had any uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota people calling. Not I that so. I recall. Because then I always talk about the Amana colonies. When I Isn't that Iowa? You're right. Not South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from you, Joe. <laughs> I know. And they're both very boring states. So I, I get them confused. Oh boy. Now you're in trouble. <laughs> Have you ever been to South Dakota? Yeah, when I was four. Yeah. Why? Um, uh, because we were on a on our way to New York New York State. I lived there for about six months when I was four years of age. I actually remember in a car at age four looking at Mount Rush, Rushmore, completely in clouds. And my parents said, "Look at Mount Rushmore," but I just I saw clouds. Yeah, I, I mean, I I, I I I took a few trips to South Dakota. You know, went to the Badlands, went to yeah. Deadwood. You know, you saw the reenactment of uh, Wild Bill Hickok getting shot. Uh, okay. The, the dead man's hand. You know what that is, Al? Uh, no. Aces and eights, sir. Got little, it. Okay. Yeah, a little, little history lesson for you. I've been to the Badlands Golf Course in Las Vegas. <laughs> no, I don't right know now. if that counts. <laughs> it's mostly rocks. Or the barn door. Whatever or the you, beer fridge door. You call it. It's a... It's a big, big <laughs> rock back door. It's That's not right. a little one. It's a giant door. 